Father God, you are our one and only, the one and only God, our one and only hope, the one who can do for us what we can't do for ourselves, the one who can, can help us to face fear and failure, the one who can, who can bring to us life where there is death and hope where there is, where there is none. We thank you, God, for being the one who reaches into our lives and turns the, our own personal grave into a flourishing garden. And God, as we've sung those words, I pray that they wouldn't have just come out of our mouths, but they also would have come out of our hearts. I pray that you would continue to bless our time together today, and we, we give you great thanks and praise that we can be here together with, all, with the challenges and obstacles and distractions that exist even as we gather, we pray that you would cut through all of that in the only way that only you can, that we could hear from you and worship you and be changed. As your daughters and sons, we say to you, we love you, we thank you. We pray these things through your son and our savior. Amen and amen. Go ahead and take your seats, everyone. Good morning, everyone. It's great to see all of you. For those of you who are watching online, good morning. We're glad that you are joining us as well. And however you might be joining us, whether it's here in person or online, welcome. And uh, it's exciting to gather together as the family of God to worship that one and only. It's great to be able to... Uh, to experience community together. And I know that uh, sometimes as we think about the experience of community and even how, how that has changed it, and yet at the same time we recognize that uh, we, we don't want to give in to the challenges and the obstacles. We want to re remember that, that we are called in, into that community. And as we've, as we've uh, faced that, those challenges over the last se six, seven months or so, uh, since uh, the middle of March, uh, we pray that, that even with those obstacles, whether, it's, whether it has been through text messages or, or phone calls or Zoom meetings or whatever the case might have been as we've been able to transition now back into some in-person ministry, we pray that the body of Christ has been a real uh, encouragement to you. I don't know if any of you remember, but uh, about seven months ago, we were going to wrap up this little book of the Bible called Romans. Anybody remember that? If you're new to Calvary, you might not know what all the hubbub is about, but we actually got down to the last four verses. Actually, it's going to be only be three verses uh, we're going to look at today. But those, those last few verses, and uh, that's when, when things kind of, kind of hit. And, we, and I've kind of been holding on to this one uh, until we were back uh, together in person. And uh, not that it would have been wrong to, to, to do this, this last talk on Romans 16 when we were online or when we were outside, but I just kind of made, uh, made that decision. Now, if you are an incredible overachiever, and I know we've got a lot of those kind of types here at Calvary, right? Either here or online. If you're an incredible overachiever, and, you think, and, and as I say to you, we're going to start with verse 25 today of Romans 16 and then finish the chapter, you might be saying, now, oh, wait a second, you're skipping a verse, Dave. And in fact, if you look at, at your particular Bible, you might even see that there is a verse 24 there, or it might be a, a verse 24 with brackets around it, or you might not have a verse 24, and you might have not have ever noticed that before in Romans 16, but you might be saying, well, what happened to verse 24? What's, what's about it? Well, that verse, which appears 
in a few versions, uh, the King James Version, um, the New King James Version, the New American Standard Bible, a couple others have that. Uh, but it's not present in, in many translations. It's also, all, all, sometimes it's a, of particular interest uh, to people as to what happened. Traditionally, it reads in verse 24 in the King James Version, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now, no one does not denies that, that Paul wrote these words. They occur in every translation as part of Romans 16, 20. So, it, so what, what, what we, we kind of have to do is we have to say, well, why, did they, why does it occur in verse 24 again in, the, in, in almost in repetition? And is it right that it should be there? So what we have to do is we have to consult the original manuscripts, the earliest manuscripts. And so what, we, what scholars have done and, and different translators have chosen to handle it in different ways. Again, you might be looking at a translation that has brackets around it. It might be missing altogether, but have a little footnote if you have any kind of study notes in your Bible online, you can find all of this information as well, uh, as well of course. And so what we have found is the, most er- the earliest and most reliable transcripts uh, do not contain verse 24 in that format. And so even though I'm beginning with verse 25 today, it's really kind of like it's verse 24. Uh, but, but because of that, most modern translations have chosen to number it in the way to not omit verse 24 as if it was supposed to be there and they got rid of it. Don't hear that. But instead, that those earliest manuscripts seem to indicate that most likely it was a minor scribal error that existed, that happened many, 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 many years ago. There are others of those that exist in uh, what we have now in our contemporary uh, versions of Scripture. But in that earliest manuscript, we see that it, it, it wasn't present, and that's why when I'm starting in my particular, the translation I'll be using today, good translation, many of you uh, are using it perhaps as well, known as the Christian Standard Bible, it begins in verse 25. If you have any more questions about, feel free to reach out to me, but I just wanted to address that little technical point just in case you, Matt, you had uh, a question about that. So at this point in the letter, Paul does what he has done elsewhere. He kind of grabs the pen, most likely from his secretary, from his uh, from the person to whom he had most likely been dictating the letters, which is, which is probably how they were formed there in the original uh, uh, writing of them. Paul grabs the pen, I would suggest to you, and he signs or he autographs the letter with a closing prayer of praise. Uh, what you might call in some settings a benediction or uh, uh, also a doxology, and that would be a correct term, for, and we're going to hear why that would be uh, the case. So he, he uh, goes into what is kind of a long, it's a bit of a run-on sentence <laughs> that we have here. It's a long and it's a complicated sentence that's interwoven with a description of an affirmation of God. So that's what, how we begin these last few verses of Romans 16.25. And Paul begins it by saying, now to him. Now it's implied that as he says to him, especially with what's going to follow, he's, going, he's talking about the one who is God. To him, and he, and he finishes this sentence in verse 27. I'm gonna, we're going to get to the middle part in between these ellipses in just a, se- a second. But what Paul is going to do again in this affirmation of praise, in this benediction, in this doxology, in this final word to everything else that he has written. And by the one, uh, or by the way, uh, the Romans as it exists is probably the most complete, thorough, comprehensive uh, gospel representation that ever came from Paul. And so as he wraps it up, he says, to him what? To him be the glory forever. Amen. Amen. We just sang about that, right? 
Why is it to him be the glory forever? Because he is the one and only. And he's going to fill in the gaps into why he is the one to receive all the glory. That word that we translate into our English Bibles as glory is, uh, is the Greek word uh, doxa. It originally me- uh, means uh, to meant a- an opinion. Oh, I think I maybe clicked on that. I've got to go back one. Oh, we got that slide omitted. I'm sorry. I'll tell you what it is, though. Uh, doxa, it, it originally meant an opinion. Uh, over time, it, it came to refer to someone's reputation or power, and eventually, it came to mean honor or glory that is bestowed on someone. So that word, uh, doxa, is what we translate as glory. And so Paul is saying, to him, be the glory forever. To the one, like we just saying about that one, to him be the glory forever. Now, why, is the, why does God, and we might say, well, well of course God is the one uh, that should receive the glory forever and ever. Amen. But Paul's going to, in between those, in between the beginning and the end of this doxology, he's going to tell us why. And the first reason is, it is he who is able to strengthen you. How many understand how important it is for us to have the strength of God in our lives? It's, it's important at all times in our lives. We face all sorts of everyday minor challenges, and then at times we face major challenges. Sometimes they're physical, sometimes they're emotional, sometimes they're relational, sometimes they're economic. Is anyone facing any kind of challenges today for which you could really use the strength of God in your life? Well, this is what Paul is talking about to the Romans when he says to him, and the first reason he gives that we should give God the praise, glory, honor forever and ever, that we should bestow that on him is because he is the one who is able to strengthen us. In fact, when we believe that we are the one that provides our own strength, we're buying into the lie of the world. We don't provide our own security. We don't provide our own safety. But ultimately and and completely, we have to trust in the one who does. He's the one who's able to strengthen you. The word able is the Greek word dunamai. Dunamai is a a pretty powerful word. It means, means to be able to do something. Again, only he is able to do this. To be capable, strong, and powerful. To have power, that, whether it's by your own virtue, the, uh, the, the, of the ability that you have, the resources that you have. It's, uh, it's power as it relates to resource, uh, refers to a state of mind or through any sort of like favorable actions, like having the power to be able to do something. And again, Paul is saying, there is one. I'm giving the glory to the one who is able. God possesses the power. He is capable. He is strong. He has power. And that power is rooted in his own virtue. And what does Paul say he has the power to do? The power to basically put us on spiritual steroids. That's what the Greek word is, sterizo. It means to set fast. Literally, to turn resolutely in a certain direction. In other words, before God reaches into our lives... Before we receive Jesus as Savior, before God intervenes and turns our graves into gardens, before he turns, uh, before he, he reorients us completely, our lives are filled with shakiness. Our lives are filled with uncertainty. Our lives are filled with fear. Why? Because when we're in control of our lives, that's not a good place for our lives to be. Because we're shaky people. <laughs> we're unsteady people. We're filled with uncertainty. And what happens when God intervenes in our lives, what happens? He makes us stable. He places us 
firmly. He renders us constant. He straightens us out so that where there was shakiness, uncertainty, and fear, we now, as the people of God, and that's why we're giving him this honor and glory and praise forever. That's why we're offering it up to him. Why? Because he has made us stable. He has made us strong. He has given us peace. He has given us certainty. We are on God's steroids. And guess what? There's no side side effects with that. There's no problems. You're not going to break out in back acne or anything like that, okay? When God infuses you with this injection of, of, of his very self, that is what's happening. You see, what happens is, by the presence of the Holy Spirit, you have the strength of God within you. That's why we don't rest in our own strength. That's why we don't trust in our own minds. That's why we don't put faith in our own abilities, but we trust in the one who is able. And he's able to make us strong and peaceful joyful and certain and stable he's able to set us fast to turn us in a particular direction where we will not waver from that now we could just stop there and say well that's good enough he he deserves all the praise honor and glory for that alone right but paul gives us another layer he's going to tell us about well okay If he's the one who's able to strengthen us, if he's the one who's able to inject us with divine steroids that we might achieve this level of certainty and stability in our lives, well, how does he do that? And Paul says, well, the first way in which he does that is through the good news, through the gospel. He is able to strengthen you according to my gospel, Paul says, according to my gospel and the proclamation about Jesus Christ. The word gospel is euangelion. You know what it means? Literally, a good message. (laughs) How many of you know the message of Jesus is a good message for our ears to hear? Euangelion, uh, it's it's, it's basically a compound word. The prefix you always means good. So when you see uh, like a eulogy is a good word about somebody, right? When you're at a funeral and somebody gives a eulogy, they probably don't recall all of the bad stuff about the person, do they? They give the good word about them. That's a eulogy. Euangelion, it's a, and the, the, the last part of that word, as some of you know, when, we, when there's use of angels in Scripture, it's literally a, a messenger. And so from those two words mashed up together, we have euangelion, a good message. This good message and this, this proclamation, this, this kerugma, uh, that's what that wor- word is for proclamation, the preaching about Jesus Christ. So Paul says, the reason that you have been made firm The reason that you have been made constant and stable and strong where you were shaky and weak and overwhelmed. The way that happens, again, is through the gospel. When the gospel comes into your life, when the good message of Jesus, when you hear the truth that Jesus died in the place of our sins, that we might have life and not death, that we might have peace and not confusion, that we might have hope and not despair, Again, all praise and honor goes to him because of the good news. And again, like I shared earlier, Romans is is possibly, I would suggest to you, certainly the longest and maybe the most comprehensive statement of of the message that Paul uh, Paul proclaimed. And so in these 16 chapters, we have this incredible representation all centered around the gospel of Jesus. How are we made strong? How are we made stable? How does God inject into us those spiritual steroids? Through the gospel. Secondly, God does this through divine revelation. Paul goes on to say in verse 25 and 26 there, that again, he he makes us strong, he he strengthens us 
according to his gospel. Secondly, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept silent for long ages, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic scriptures. As some of you know, we've actually hopped into the gospel according to John. We've gotten through almost the first three chapters of that in the last several weeks. And there's been an an emphasis in the gospel of John about the power of revelation. Remember that Jesus revealed himself. For those of you who have heard or been in, 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 in person at some of those messages or listened, you know, even to the podcast, we saw how Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. That's that same word here. The second word, the, the word that we translate revealed is, is fanarau. It means to make something visible or mani- manifest. To make something known which had been hidden or unknown. To make something actual. Uh, to make something that is, is to be plainly recognized. To be thoroughly seen and understood. You see, and unless God opens our eyes, unless he does that. Why is God getting the praise? Because he's the one who has revealed to us that this is truth. It's not truth because we believe it to be true, but God reveals it to to us to be truth so that we can put our faith in it. We put our faith in him because he has revealed to us the truth that is the gospel. And so this, this mystery, uh, musterion, it, it's, uh, it means a secret. It actually comes from the root word, which means to shut one's mouth. And so, you know, when you, when you keep a secret, what do you do? You shut your mouth, right? You don't tell others about it. When you have a secret, you don't share it. And so the word musterion or mystery is, is a secret. It's something that has been kept silent. That's why we have the, that uh, Paul uses those words. It's, it's been kept hidden. But now, by revelation, it has been, and the word that we translate revelation, Paul uses two different words. Phanarau is the second part of the verse, and in the first part, it's the word apocalypsis. Some of you know what apocalyptic literature is. It's a revealing. It's it's something where, which which previously was was unknown, but now it's known. It's it's something that has been uh, laid bare or or made naked. And so we even use that uh, term, don't we? The naked truth. So God has revealed to us his naked truth. God has uncovered something for us so that we now know it to be true. And he did this through the prophetic scriptures. And, And again, so to go back, Paul's saying, all praise to him, all honor to him, because he's able to strengthen us. He's able to make us strong. How does he do that? Through his gospel. How does he do that? By revealing it to us. By opening our eyes. Scripture's clear that before we receive Jesus, we're wandering around in spiritual darkness. We're searching and grasping. We don't know. We think we know, but we don't know. That's one of the tricks of of our enemy, actually, of Satan himself, is to deceive us into thinking that we do know, but we don't know. But then God opens our eyes and we do know. And to him, then, all the glory should fall. So we, 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 we are strengthened by the good news. We are strengthened by divine revelation. And third, Paul says you are made strong because there is a divine mandate that you would be strong. Verse 26, according to the command of the eternal God to advance the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles. Now this, this command, which is the is actually the, the, the Greek word epatage. It means an, an injunction, a decree, a command or a mandate. By implication, there is a certain weightiness or authoritativeness to it. 
So you can, again, you can see this is by, by the very command of God. Now that, it could be that Paul's referring to the command that God put on his life to take the gospel to the Gentiles, or it could be even referring to more generically the fact that God wants to reach the world with the gospel, right? And Paul was one of those instruments. So it could be even be a both and, but it's by God's mandate, his injunction, his decree, his command that the gospel should go through all the world. And we're sitting here today as a result of that. We're sitting here today as recipients of those who heard the command and took that command uh, really seriously and took the gospel wherever they went. And because of that, somebody shared it with you. Could have been a Sunday school teacher back when you were seven years old. Could have been a good friend that was on a team with you when you were in college. Could have been a parent could have been someone random, just somebody who was a, a believer who one day shared with you the good news about Jesus. But the, all of those things point back to the command of God, his injunction, his decree, that the gospel should go forth. So how does God make us strong? He makes us strong by his gospel. He makes us strong because he reveals to us his truth, and he makes us strong by his very own command. Again, that would be enough, right? If we, think about, if we think about what Paul has already said in this, like I said, in this, uh, this kind of long and complicated sentence, he's already given us ample reasons to give God all the praise, honor, and glory. Because God has made us, he is able to, and he has made us strong through those three ways that I just shared with you. But not only that, but Paul says in verse 27, he is the only wise God. The only wise God. Man, one thing we don't lack in our day is that at my fingertips or my, do I have my phone on me? I must have left it back in the, uh, back in the pew. Or at our thumb tips, we have all sorts of information, right? We have <laughs> no shortage of people who are ready to share their wisdom with us about nearly everything in the world. There are people who will give you your opinion on things that you didn't even think needed an opinion. We are filled with people who appear to be wise. But the reason that we give all praise, honor, and glory to God is because he is the only one who's wise. We're foolish. We're deceived. We're mixed up. We're messed up. But then... By his mandate, by his revelation, and by his, his decree, by, through his scripture, God shows us what is true and right. And, he rec- and we recognize that ultimately the wisdom of God is displayed supremely and perfectly in the incarnation of himself in his son Jesus. He is the only wise God. The word is, some of you know it's the Greek word sophos. It means wide in the most broad and general application. It means to have skill or expertise, to be, to be one who is cultivated, that is uh, almost like cultured, educated, to be governed by integrity and to best form the plans and also use the best means for their actual execution. It's, this word wisdom applies to every aspect of one's life, not just that they have a high IQ, but they have the ability to understand everything that is. And again, certainly as it refers to God, it's elevated to a point 
where again, there's no one who is wise like him. And so to him, Paul finishes. After all that he shared with those Roman believers, after all that, this very lengthy and comprehensive letter, he says, the last thing that I want to leave, the thing that I want to leave you with, with my own hand, inspired by, the God, by God himself, I push all of the glory and honor and praise back to him because he has made me strong. He's made me strong through his gospel. He's made me strong through his divine revelation and his command. And after all, he is the only wise God. And so, of course, because of all of that, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, to him, be glory forever. Amen? Amen. Amen. How do we walk more deeply in that? How do we walk more deeply in the, in the heart of this benediction, of this doxology that Paul has? Well, certainly, the way in which we walk is we... we involve ourselves we, with, the, with the word of God. We get connected. We understand more about God and he reveals more of himself to us. And we understand his gospel better as we invest in the word of God because in the word, there, it, it, that, that's how God is revealing himself to us. And his word is truth and he shares that truth with us that we might know how to walk in strength. We also walk according to the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, right? How are we strong? I'm not strong in Dave's strength, but I'm strong in God's strength. We are strong also together in community. We talked about that at the very beginning, so have that picture in your mind as well. We are strong as as we are with each other. We are strong as we walk according to the Holy Spirit and not according to our own strength. And we are strong as we walk according to the Word of God. And that, folks, is it for the book of Romans. Hey! I pray that God has revealed himself to you. Not through, through not, not, not my words, but I pray that you've heard from God himself today. Our worship team is going to close us with a song of praise and affirmation to that one only wise God who is able to make us strong as they're coming up uh, to do that. Why don't you stand with me? We'll pray together before we sing together. Thank you, God, for your incredible grace. Thank you, God, for your unfathomable love. Thank you for your mercy, Lord. As we've heard Paul's final word of, words of praise to those Roman believers, I pray they would have rung true in our lives, in our ears, in our hearts as well. I pray that we, like him and like them, might be people who will offer to you all the doxa, all the praise, honor, and glory. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to find our strength in you, to find our wisdom in you, We pray that we would take those practical steps necessary to see that happen by investing in community within the family of God, by investing into your word and by walking according to the power of your Holy Spirit. 
We pray these things, God, not that we might have any honor and glory, but again, that you might receive it all. In the great name of Jesus, amen.